0: Okay, if you'll rise, the man who has taken us all out of being an orphan and into the identity, into the kingdom, gets to preach today.
1: Uh, reminds me of the the saying in a moment, like you go, don't stop. Don't stop. (laughs) This is a season of transitions and I'm in one, our father's house is in one and there are things we want to celebrate along the way. For instance, I've had the opportunity to live and work with some extraordinary people through the decades and as part of that which happens inevitably, people change vocations, they change locations, they transition into different seasons of life. But this morning, it's my pleasure to be able to say thank you in a large way to someone I both love, cherish, admire, respect, and am grateful for her 15 years of service as part of my administrative staff. Val, where are you, darling? Don't. Stop. Don't. Stop. One of, the, one of the joys that we have experienced here in our staff is the cohesive, loving, bonding way. They've all worked together through the years. We have not had catfights, dissent. We've not had to do any reconciliation among the staff. They're called of God. They love one another. It's been such a joy. Val's not leaving our father's house. She's just leaving the load at our father's house. And I suppose I should say, is Penny here today? Okay. But uh, some of you know Penny Dennis. She's stepping into that, in that role. We're really excited about that because she is one extraordinarily capable young woman. Of course, when I say young woman, it's all relative now. (laughs) In our uh, in my last time with you, we let the scriptures clarify in our understanding the fact that the Holy Spirit is not a force, that he is, in fact, God, the Holy Spirit, that he's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. And I said when we finished that particular lesson dealing with a lack of understanding in the minds of many people in the United States and also in the church, I wanted to come back and spend a little bit of time with us on the person And work of God, the Holy Spirit, because I have found that there is just in general an ignorance in the people of God that put us in a position where we don't accurately relate to the resident Lord of the church. So I want to uh, ask you a question as we begin this this teaching. Was Jesus a person? Okay, great. Very good, class. (laughs) And if you didn't get it right, don't tell me. Well, if Jesus is a person, then we have something to consider. In John chapter 14, Jesus makes this statement in verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Now that word helper is from the transliteration of a Greek word that we pronounce parakletos, we call the Holy Spirit the paraclete. And when Jesus says, I am I will send a helper, he's saying numerically different, but of the same essence. That is, I am sending you another who is identical to myself. And that's part of what it means to be the triune God. They are co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful, etc., So when we say Jesus is a person and he says, I'm sending you another person who is just like me. We're talking about the eternal spirit who is now God, the Holy Spirit, who is also the resident Lord of the church. And when I say resident Lord of the church, I want to be clear with you about what that means. Where is Jesus seated right now? Right hand on high to the majesty who's enthroned there. That's where he is. We are the body of Christ. What is the connection? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent, so he is the boss, basically, on this planet. He is the resident Lord of the church. And so it's okay for us to relate directly to him. I don't pray to the Father to ask Jesus to tell the Holy Spirit if he could help me out. I relate directly to God the Holy Spirit because he is God. And he's the one who's been sent onto this planet to awaken us to the reality of those things which are ours by inheritance. Now, when we when we speak about God the Holy Spirit being the resident Lord of the Church, we have to begin to acknowledge that He has things to do as a person. And there are there there are ways you treat people that they respond to you, and there are other ways you treat people that cause them to draw back from you. Is that true? Okay, so if he's a person, what should we be attentive to? Well, let's look at a few things together. In First Corinthians chapter 12, one and the same spirit works all these things, speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually. What's the phrase? Just as he wills. So when you start complaining to God about your particular gift mix or you wish I could be like somebody else or I wish. He picked that for you. The one who searches the deep things of God, the one who knows the minds of God, comes into your life and ascribes to you grace gifts as he chooses because... He knows you inside and out. So the Holy Spirit makes choices for your best interests. But he can also be grieved. Now, in Ephesians chapter 430, we are told, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Those of us who are parents know what it means to be grieved by the behavior of our children. Those of us who are adults in relationships with others know what it is to be grieved by the behavior of those we love. Consequently, he as a person is capable of being grieved by the way we conduct ourselves. I try to make it a habit not to get on his bad side. I want to live my life in such a fashion that he doesn't feel like he has to withdraw from me. I, I don't like being disciplined by the Lord. But unfortunately, he loves me. And every son he loves, he disciplines for our own good. So as we consider the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, it might be appropriate for us to to develop a consciousness of his daily presence with us and double check ourselves before we start doing something that has the potential to grieve him. Y'all know what it feels like when he... When he's grieved, you know, that crisis of conscience you go through that. Oh, Lord. Sorry. Can we start time out? Can we start over? Can we have a do over? And he he says, yes, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins in that moment. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Now, this is a word that used to trouble me when I lacked greater understanding. But Jesus says this. Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be given, shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Now, does that sound potent? That's some pretty serious stuff. To blaspheme someone is to speak against them in such a way that it brings injury to their person or their reputation. Now, when I was younger and lacked greater understanding than I have today, I used to be concerned about my evangelical brethren who would basically ignore the Holy Spirit. And they would preach against things like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they would call spirit-filled people demonized. And and this verse used to trouble me for their sakes. But now that I'm older and a bit wiser, I I appreciate the fact that they will not be held to account for that simply because they're ignorant of the knowledge of the truth. Paul says, "I, I, I recommend that you pray for kings and all those in authority that you may live a quiet and dignified life in all holiness and godliness, for this is acceptable to God, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Being saved is different than coming to the knowledge of the truth. There's a lot of things you can get away with when you're ignorantly saved. Okay? To blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you must first have tasted of that heavenly gift... And of the things in the age to come. And when you have done that, and then you choose against him, then you're in eternal trouble. Follow me? So there's a lot of grace in the Lord. When we talk about coming to the knowledge of the truth, that's another message that perhaps Jay will share with you in some future date. Now, the context for that particular scripture was Jesus responding to the Pharisees who were ascribing to the Holy Spirit the works of the devil. He was saying, he casts out devils in the name of Beelzebub. So whenever you ascribe to the Holy Spirit acts of darkness, you're demonstrating your ignorance. Because Jesus is very forthcoming on the fact that You don't rail against the resident Lord of the church. You can speak against me all you want to, but he's the guy in charge. Now, you want to be careful what you say, because this is his domain until I come. In uh, Romans chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians, we find that the Holy Spirit possesses a rational mind. Aren't you grateful for that? I know sometimes you might be tempted to respond when he asks you to do something by saying, Are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Oh, yes, you are. (laughs) If you're going to learn obedience, you're going to keep giving him your yes and he's going to test you on it. But in Romans chapter eight, he says the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. They are in harmony about you. And when he prays for you, he believes there's going to be change. He has faith in his ability to alter you. Thank you, Pastor. That was really good to hear. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. And he goes on to say that we are taught by the spirit. The spirit who has access to the deep things of God will come to us to bring revelation to us of a truth or to come to us to speak a word we need in the moment. Now, here's the beautiful thing about the grace of the Holy Spirit. He will never reveal to you what he knows you will not obey. Think on it now. If he comes to you with revelation and he knows you're not going to obey it, then he has to judge you for your disobedience. So you have the relationship you want with the Holy Spirit right now. And if you want more than you have right now, your job is to say, yes, Lord, yes. Now, I personally want to know some more. I want to see some more. I want to do some more. And I know time I ask for more, it's going to cost me something. You've heard me say this numerous times over the decades. I hate the process, but I value the treasure it produces. If there's any one thing I want you to learn and keep with you throughout your life, it's simply to keep giving the Lord your yes. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. (laughs) Ha, ha,
0: ha.
1: You know, there, there's a passage in Malachi that's totally unrelated. I just love the imagery. It, it speaks about withholding the tithe from the Lord. And, uh, it uses the phrase, will a man rob God? Now, with all of you sitting here wearing your robbery mask, it's all the more relevant to me because you, you put on your mask, you walk up and you rob God as if he doesn't know who you are. Oh, that was free. But he can be lied to. Now, the, the demonstration of that particular thing is in Acts chapter 2, where Ananias and Sapphira sell a plot of land, and they bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet for the common good. But they held back a portion for themselves. Now, were they free to do that? Yes, they were, it was theirs to do with as they will. But what they did was they came and publicly said, this is all of it. And Peter said, you've not lied to men. You've lied to the Holy Spirit and the husband dropped dead. And then the wife comes in later and they said, did you such and so? And is this it? Yep. The feet who carried him out are going to take you out. And she drops down dead. And great fear fell upon the church. you now know you're messing with somebody who ought not be messed with. While he is closer than a brother, comforter, guide, etc., you need to recognize he is also God. Never treat him as common. Do Give him the reverence that he is due. Be the kind of person he wants to hang out with because he has a role to play in our lives. Did you know the Holy Spirit can be resisted? No, yeah, you don't. Yeah, do. I'm not going to do that. That's resisting the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what Jesus said in a certain situation. Um, I'm sorry, it's, it's Peter said, you men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. That is, to resist by actively opposing the pressure or power to war against it. The meaning may perhaps be best expressed like this. You have never been willing to yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, I have, in the course of my life, worked and related to men and women who resist the Holy Spirit by theological dictate. Okay? Their theology refuses to allow them to surrender to him. And there's a big reason for that. You cannot be in control if you're going to let him lead you. Now, in many church circles, reputable men and women that I I, I admire and respect and have affection for simply will not allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit in their context. And one of the reasons is you have to surrender control In order to be led. That's true of every single one of us. You have to be willing. To relinquish control of you. In order to be led by him. And it it can be an exhilarating. Fearful journey. Because he will shake you out of your comfort zone. He will challenge your thinking. He will put you in situations that make you uncomfortable. So that he can show up and show you he's right there with you and we can do this. Because he is our partner. We are co-laborers together with him. If we would just keep saying yes. Now, the Holy Spirit is, is assigned to this planet. This is his domain. And there are two domains. One is in the world. The one is in the kingdom here. The people of God. Now, in the world, he has a twofold agenda. The scripture teaches us that he is the one who resists evil. Come here, Daniel. Put your hand up. Push against me. We're resisting one another. Okay? Now, go find some hand sanitizer. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts boundaries on the evil. There's your hands and ties your Ew, you touched me. And the scripture says there's coming a time when he who restrains will restrain no more. Okay? So at the moment, evil cannot come to full manifestation because there is a divine agent holding it at bay. Consequently, when the scripture says nothing can come upon you except the Father allows it to come, when it comes, daddy has an agenda in what's taking place. But evil cannot just simply come overtake you because the Holy Spirit is that which restrains evil from being total darkness on this planet. Now, while that's taking place, he has another agenda. Jesus says this of him in in the Gospel of John. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he goes on to explain what those are. This is the activity of the Holy Spirit outside your sphere. This is his work in the world. The way we partner with him in that is by this thing called the word of our testimony. Now... Princess Barbara shared in part her testimony today. Were you encouraged by it? Okay. Now, what do you suppose it would mean for this gracious, elegant woman who walks in the nobility of a princess in the kingdom of God, who has a history like every other broken woman? who has yet to find Christ, when they see this presentation of his grace and a story that sounds just like theirs, is it possible that that's the way the Lord will penetrate their heart? Absolutely. Because when she testifies, it releases the grace that brought her to Christ to bring another out of darkness into Christ. That's the the power of testimony. It's the reason when we're, we're praying for those who are, are uh, physically afflicted. Have we ever seen this before? If we have seen whatever their situation is healed, what does that mean? It means it has been released in the earth and we are free to administrate that again. And if we've never seen it, what does that mean? It means we pray that this will be the first time. But once it's released in the earth, it is ours to replicate. We are free to lay hands on the sick that they might recover because we've seen the sick recover. Once it's here, it's ours. It's in it's in your toolbox. Pull it out and use it. In the and um, the work of the Holy Spirit in the world, you may remember that um, we did some lineage tracing a while back. We looked at the lineage of of uh, Cain and how they identified with what they do we looked at the lineage of uh Adam's th- uh, third son and that lineage is all about relationships right Do you remember that anybody Okay so y'all walked out here and forgot it all okay that's great yeah mm-hmm. I don't know why are we wasting our time with these people I think he just But Adam had a had a son named Seth and, in, and the lineage goes, and Seth's son was Enosh. And it takes us down to the introduction of Noah. And on the other side, his son Shem becomes the righteous lineage moving forward toward Messiah. Now, when you go back and, and start looking through that, you realize that in the scripture, we only see a reference to the Holy Spirit twice Listen, to Seth, to him who also has a son was born. and He called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. In Genesis 6, 3, the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man forever because he's also flesh. Nevertheless, his days will be 120 years. Now, after you get to Genesis chapter 7, you don't see uh, the references to the spirit at all until Joseph shows up in Pharaoh's court. And he says, this is a man in whom there is a divine spirit. And then as you start moving through the scripture from that point forward, you see the spirit identified with particular personalities. Beelzeb- uh, Beziel, Moses, the 70 el- elders, Balaam, Joshua, the prophets of old, and so on until you get to the day of Pentecost. Even in the gospels, you're watching the Holy Spirit one on one with somebody until the day of Pentecost. And then it's a corporate experience. OK. So while we can have an individual relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the intention of the Lord is that we would have a corporate experience with him. Because each of us represents some different aspect of who he is. There is a particular grace that attends me. And my grace is different from that which attends Daniel or Jay. But their grace is important to me because it can affect who I am and enrich what I carry because of our consulting and experiences together in God. The point of being the body of Christ is that we each supply something to the other. And the corporate nature of his work is to move us into the image of Christ In the in the activity of God through us as his people. When we start talking about his work in us, it's a twofold thing. I've my language is like this. His job is to mature the love of the father through us and create the character character of the father in us. That happens once we're born again. We've been reconciled to the Father through the atonement of Jesus Christ. We receive a new nature. And that nature is? If God is, what is his nature? His nature is love. So when you get a new nature, what nature do you get? Does anybody ever remember being born again? Was there not a phenomenon that occurred in you toward others that was inexplicable? When I was an evangelism director in a small Baptist church in Indiana, it it didn't bother me to knock on the door of a stranger. Because inside of me, there was a genuine concern for their welfare. And I didn't have words for it back then. But I later discovered in the scripture that the love of God has been shed abroad through our hearts. That is, there's a nature of love in us that compels us to be engaged with other people. To be concerned about their welfare because the Father is. And we have that nature in us now. So if love is your nature, guess what God wants to do with it? The Holy Spirit is inside trying to claw his way out of you so that this can break forth in others. And this clawing its way out is called spiritual transformation. How many of you know that comes with discomfort? Oh, yeah. I want to be like you, Lord. I think. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul records the New Testament version of the Old Testament revelation of, of God's character. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And he goes on to say, against these things, there's no law. When this is characteristic of your life, you're living totally apart from any legal requirements. You have become his intention. And this is the fruit of the spirit. How many of you know fruit requires a while to develop? You can't just walk out the next day after you plant something and expect a harvest. But in the body of Christ, this is the realm where these things are to be tested we demonstrate love because by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. We experience joy. We learn to be ruled by peace in our hearts because tore I love that line in um, Top Gun. I know you love flying at Mark 2 with your hair on fire. That's a great word picture. But it's also a word picture for what happens to us when we are in the fire. And it's possible to be at peace in the tumult, because peace reigns inside of you. It's not something that comes to you from outside. You know, one of the things about my uh, engagement with the body of Christ and the Caribbean island that shall remain nameless, they're living under oppression, they're living in want. um, They depend upon one another for their daily subsistence. And right now, food is just incredibly scarce and very expensive. But you wouldn't know any of that to be in worship with them or to sit in fellowship with them. They have a joy and a peace inside of them that's totally devoid from any kind of external comfort because they don't have any external comfort. These are elements of the body of Christ putting Jesus on display because it's not about what's going on out there. It's always about what's going on in here. And this is the place where the activity of the Holy Spirit really starts to get under your skin. The scripture says several things about the Holy Spirit that are relevant to your understanding. I had to uh, go into Virginia the other day, a week or so ago, to, to perform a wedding. And to do that, I had to go to a courthouse and be certified to perform a wedding in um, in Virginia. And when the young uh, clerk at the courthouse was finishing up, he takes this piece of paper and he puts it into a machine and it presses the seal of Virginia. Into the in the letter, and that means I can do this. If anybody asks me, there it is. There's the seal. I can do this. I'm okay because the seal is there. The Spirit of God is the seal of God on your life. Now, He who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us. And gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Now, what does that mean? All right, listen. The seal of God is the attestation that you have been elected by him to be his. The pledge. Any of you ever bought a home? Do you know what earnest money is? It's that which you give to. As a testimony that we're going to complete this transition, this transaction. The seal and the pledge is God's mark on you that He ain't finished yet. And He won't be finished until you are in His presence and the Holy Spirit is the one who says in us, I'm a child of God. So I'm carrying a seal and the down payment has been made, the transaction will will be completed because I have committed myself to the faithful one. And he will do what he says he's going to do. Some days you need to remind yourself of that, because not every day is sunshine and rainbows. Now, the Holy Spirit is also the teacher. He's the guide. He's the one who reveals Jesus. And he has the responsibility for conforming us to the image of Christ. You know those things. I'm just simply reminding you. Now, his work through us becomes sometimes the stumbling block in the lives of people who are insecure about their relationship with the Lord. In this, in the non- charismatic world I grew up we were guilt motivated to do acts of stuff for God okay and I remember some preacher talking about if we didn't do it he it's it's a verse in the Old Testament I forget where it is in the moment it says but their blood will be on your hands now I grew up in the hell and damnation era. Where everybody was going to hell, if they didn't get saved tonight, tomorrow's not promised. What if you leave here and you got a car wreck tonight, blah, 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 blah. Those kinds of motivations have short-term lifespans. Okay. How many of you know you'll do more for love than you will for fear? We live that way, don't we? Okay. So, when the Holy Spirit starts to do his work in us, he... Looks in the mind of God, sizes us up, and puts a particular charis, a, a, a grace gift, inside of us. Because he knows that that expression of him through you is going to be important to what he sees coming. And he has the capacity to bring into your sphere of influence those who will respond to what he's deposited in you. And that makes you a unique instrument Because my sphere of influence will be different from yours. Because my grace gift is different from yours. But he won't send yours to me. He will send those who will respond to me. You follow me? And you don't require maturity to have a grace gift and be effective. Look, if you got saved last week and you lead somebody to the Lord today, you're their mentor. You got seven days on them. You already know stuff they don't know. They will ask you questions you can answer because you know stuff that you didn't know you knew. How many of you have discovered that shortly after you came to Christ, you'd start reading the Bible. And you saw stuff in there you knew, but you didn't know it was in the Bible. Because truth is truth. It is everywhere. But sometimes we don't have the eyes to see it. So his work through us includes imparting in us a grace gift just as he was it. Now, just as a reminder, the disciples were born again on the morning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Luke, at the last chapter, it says Jesus comes and he shows them from the law and the Psalms and the prophets how he must be crucified, dead and buried. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the gospel is the death according to Scripture, the burial, the resurrection according. That's the gospel. That is that Jesus Christ paid the atonement for all your wrongdoing for the entire world. Those who had lived, those who were living and those yet to be born. They, all that judgment has been settled at the cross. So what's left for us to do? Enjoy the liberty of not having to perform for acceptance. We're already accepted in the blood. So when he comes and begins to ascribe something to us, it is for our utilization. So the disciples were born again. And then Jesus said to that bunch, that born again bunch, he said, don't go anywhere. Stay here in Jerusalem until you are empowered from on high. So not only is there supposed to be an impartation for salvation in your spirit, there should be an empowerment for service by that same spirit. Then we watch the day of Pentecost, the the tongues of fire, the sound of wind, the talking to the others, etc. Now, the empowerment should manifest itself in particular ways. Anybody ever bothered to read Mark chapter 16? You scared of Mark chapter 16? You hesitant about Mark chapter 16? Because Jesus says, These signs shall follow them that believe. Pressure question, are you a believer? In my name, they shall cast out devils. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They'll play with snakes in West Virginia. No, I'm sorry. And they shall speak with tongues. You're not from West Virginia. Quit shaking your head at me. They will speak with tongues, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, if you were wondering what your job description is, that's it. That's it. And as we, gr- as we grow in confidence with the Holy Spirit, we can be available to him for this kind of stuff. God the Holy Spirit is a person. And you can relate to him like you would another person. He has an intention That we would be responsive to his presence. When he speaks, we would say, yes, Lord. Where he leads, we will go. When he teaches us something, to recognize it is to be used soon. When Patty and I were learning our, gaining our charismatic feet, walking through the neighborhood, praying for our neighbors at night and stuff like that, we began to see a pattern. The Lord would show us something from Scripture in the morning and within 24 to 48 hours, that something was needed by somebody else. I mean, it just became like a feeding pattern for us. We'd go to him, he'd give us stuff. Soon somebody came needing this stuff. There's a a genuine cooperation between you and he when he has your yes. When we share our testimony, he's free to convict. Your transformation is not... About your effort. Uh, I was having dinner with some dear friends last night. Snacking, really. And uh, she used this word picture I thought was very powerful. About trying to change yourself by your effort. She talked about a, a speedboat. It was set on autopilot and it was going in a certain direction. But you could take that wheel and force it. But eventually, you run out of strength, and it goes right back to where it was heading. The sin nature is like that. You cannot perform personal transformation by discipline. Discipline comes by the act of the Holy Spirit. Your choice of disciplines is basically to put yourself in a place where he can reach you. Because he is the power of transformation. I've devoted my last two messages in this congregation to the person of the Holy Spirit as a means of honoring him. I am so grateful, so eternally grateful for the kindness he has shown us in this body for the last 40 years. We have been trained to respond to his presence. We have watched supernatural manifestations of him doing extraordinary miracles. We have been captured weeks, weeks at a time by the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. We've had visitations that lasted months where he was training us, introducing us to his presence, helping us realize that the little bit we knew was nothing compared with what he would share with us. His His willingness to give exceeds our willingness to ask. I believe that there is a a foundation in God upon which this house is built. I believe that there's a spiritual DNA that has permeated us and is transferable. If you think if you think COVID is con- uh, infectious, wait till people start getting around spirit filled people. We can really mess them up simply by sharing the truth with them. One of the reasons. I don't care for this virtual church stuff. It denies us the opportunity to practice. See, as far as I'm concerned, when we get together to worship, to experience God, that's the lab. You know, uh, there are plenty of places where you can just go sit and listen or you can stay at home and just sit and listen. Sitting and listen is not transformational. When you stretch your hand out to pray for someone and God shows up in power, that's transformational. And the, and the lo- for me, the local assembly is the laboratory where you learn the confidence to be God's representative outside the laboratory. I have a, I have a, a new group of friends in a very different situation than I'm accustomed to historically, but I'm really enjoying The relationships and uh, in that environment, it's known that I'm the pastor or a pastor or I might be the pastor. No, there's two of us now because Steve is working with me there. But uh, from time to time, someone will come and say, Pastor, can I talk to you for a little bit? And so uh, a few nights ago, this young woman comes and we go to a more quiet table. We're sitting there and she starts pouring her heart out. And part of her distress among the several was she she had recently discovered a, a lump in her breast. And I said, well, I'm the Lord's representative and he has authorized me to speak on his behalf. Now, what I'd like you to do is just take your hand and put it on that lump. And I, I put my hand on her forearm and I invoked the name of Jesus. She was scheduled for exam the next morning. She went And they couldn't find anything. Now, is she a Christian? I have no idea. Did she connect the dots between prayer and nothing? I don't know. Is she giving the Lord glory? I don't have any idea because that's outside my purview. My responsibility was to speak his name in the moment and allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to do what he does. Now, I have grown in confidence over the decades because I'm willing to put myself out there and see what he will do. The language I use most frequently with you is this. Keep giving the Lord your... Because if you will, he will train you. He will instruct you. He will give you opportunities you can't imagine. He'll take you places you didn't know you would go. Introduce you to folks you had no earthly idea you would ever meet. Because he has an in-game in sight. And we are the players in this game. And he calls the shots. Well, I don't know when Jay might invite me to be a guest speaker again. But uh, until then, I would like you to make this part of your vernacular whenever you greet one another in whatever conversations you're in, remind one another, keep giving the Lord your yes.
0: For everybody. Whoa, that's loud. Thank you for all who stood to honor Pastor Lanny here today. And if you stood at home too, you clapped at home, I know it's an interactive thing. Thank you. Because we honor a man who's given the Lord his yes here publicly for us for 40 years. Like he said, this is not sure when I might invite him back as a guest speaker again in this house. Now We are always honored to hear what the Lord has been working into landing for us on our behalf for these many years, and I I can't wait for the next time he comes and speaks with us. That's going to be great, but how appropriate for him to be spending these last two messages here on the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have held for years... That our first priority here is honoring Him. Because without His presence, we're playing at things. We need His presence to be with us. Last night at the Pursuit Night, we, we sang a song called The Blood Is Still the Blood. And it is a powerful song. And it has just been, that's one I keep waking up with in the morning or be going through my day. And it's running through my mind. And if you haven't heard the playlist that we sang last night, it is on our Facebook page, and I encourage you to go and look at it. But that song is so powerful. It's the blood of Jesus that sets us free. It's the price that he paid for us that allows us to enter in. I want to read from Hebrews. And this is Hebrews 10 starting in verse 19. And prior to this, the writer of Hebrews is talking about how the sacrifice that Christ made is different than all the other sacrifices beforehand. And what the priests had done, they no longer need to do because the ultimate sacrifice was paid. And he says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by what? for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The curtain of his body was open for us to receive us back in. His blood was poured out for us, and it's a new covenant. And because of his blood, we can go boldly before the throne of grace. We can boldly come into his presence. Something that was not allowed for those who lived in the time before he went on the cross and paid the price for us. Like Pastor is saying, don't let this become a common thing. Don't let our our relationship with the Holy Spirit become a common thing. Don't let our experience with the presence of the Lord and our access become a common thing. This is a precious thing that generations and millennia of people before us yearned for. But we were chosen to walk in this time. It's because the Lord Jesus came and made a way for us. So today, as we take communion, remember the price that he paid for us on the cross And that what we have is precious. What we have is precious. I was listening to Bill Johnson this week. I keep quoting him. (laughs) I've been in his stuff recently and it has been feeding me deeply. And I'm probably not going to get this quote exactly right. I'm going to try to get the gist across to you. But there's a powerful recognition of the exchange that we have by the sacrifice that the Lord made for us. That he paid the price that we deserve. He paid the price for our sins. He took upon himself what we deserved. And in exchange, he allowed us to have the blessing that only he deserves. we live in the blessing of what only Jesus deserves because we have been brought in to his body. These are precious things. These are priceless things. We get to celebrate that here today. Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place Lord, I thank you that because his body was open for us, that because his blood was poured out, we get to come boldly into your presence today. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that your blood washes us clean, that your blood cleanses us of all sin. Not just covering sin, cleansing us from all sin. We thank you, Lord, that your blood is still the blood. It's still as effective today as it was at Calvary. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've been teaching us here today. Lord, let us learn to live our lives in full awareness and in full memory, daily, waking memory of the price that Christ paid for us on the cross, and that we can keep giving you our yes, Lord, and that you'll take us into the adventure and the journey of the mission that you are about here on the earth. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Take, eat, and drink. You can pass your cups to the center aisle or to the aisles. We've got ushers coming around. Pick those up. You know, we've been speaking about the Holy Spirit for two weeks now. i have been speaking about the power and His presence. I love... Princess Barb's testimony today. I just want to see by a show of hands, who has sickness in their body right now? Who has pain, sickness, needs healing right now? All right. I want those that are with them, if you're with them, lay hands on them. If you're not with them, just put your hands towards them because we're going to pray right now for God's healing power and his presence to come. Lord Jesus, we thank you. That you said, it says, by your stripes we are healed. So, Father, right now, we just pray for your power of healing to come into these people here. Lord, and, and anybody who's at home right now, who's watching this right now, who needs healing, Lord, we just send forth your word, send forth your virtue, your healing grace right now, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. So, we plead the blood of Jesus over everyone here who needs healing. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. Touch them right now, Lord, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Lord, you know exactly what is needed. We submit and we surrender it all to you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Or let your power fall on them right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If, you're, if you've raised your first hand and you asked for healing and you felt the presence of the Lord, just raise your hand again. Raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would do more, that you would do more, Lord, that you would touch them, that we would see your healing grace come forth, Lord. Lord, I ask that we would be able to bring testimony back, Lord, to share about your goodness, Lord, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy that you would release grace for more healing. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done here in this house over the many years in healing, and we want to see more of it, Lord. Hallelujah. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing here today. Lord, we ask right now, that you would watch over us this week, Lord. Lord, that you would touch our hearts. Lord, where there's those of us who are in pain or experiencing emotional distress right now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come and meet with us this week, that you would sit with us and bring your comfort, your assurance, your healing to us. Lord, I ask that you would watch over us this week. And Lord, I ask as well that you would come to us and beckon us into the journey that you have for us, the mission that you have for us. Lord, I ask for a deepening in our relationship with you. I thank you, Father. And Lord, I ask this, that you would teach us to love more. You would teach us to love more. You would give us opportunity to love. I thank you, Lord. I bless your body here in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Say hello to one another on your way out, do some hobnobbing, and please, if you have a chance, say hello to Pastor Lanny, tell him how much you love him. God bless you.